You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to listen to us through Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Follow us on your favorite service to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also check us out on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com to find out more about what PCLV is all about. With that being said, listen up, because here comes the word. Can you guys? Okay, we're good. How you guys doing? I already asked you that, but I put it in my notes, so now I'm just going to start over from the top. I'm just kidding. So uh, first and foremost, I really want to thank Cherise for giving me this opportunity. Honestly, we were kids. I remember she would come by, and that's weird to see. Well, she would come by, and 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 um, she would come to LA, and she would have her son, and it was weird. Like, I I feel like I hadn't seen her son since he was literally a baby. I held him when he was a baby, so it was weird having a conversation with him on the couch. First off, it was just weird. Secondly, I'm like, I'm getting old. I'm not that old. I'm not going to tell you guys my age because it doesn't matter. But let's see. A little backstory about myself. I grew up um, in Huntington Park, California. It's in Los Angeles. I don't know if any of you guys have been there. If you haven't, don't worry about it. It's really ghetto. But I grew up, and um, I remember one day I heard my aunt talking about, talking about um, a place called church, right? Growing up, I always knew who God was. I mean, I grew up. My parents, my dad was really Catholic. My mom was just really crazy, but whatever. She still is a little bit, but it's okay. God's helping her. And um, she, you guys can laugh. Look, look, I, 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 you guys are like, oh my God, is this mom really crazy? Look, I, I, I lead worship at Praise Chapel Cerritos, okay? So I always have a guitar in my hands. So like now I don't know what to do with my hands. Like I don't know if you guys seen Teledega's Nights when he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I really don't know what to do with my hands. So, and another thing is, since I'm singing worship, I lead. Uh, it's just me and a guitar. There's always hear voices coming back to me, right? So I need some feedback, even if it's a giggle or like I, you don't have to say amen. I ain't gonna make you say amen. Just like give me something, okay? I need I need to feel like we're here. I want to be one with you guys, okay? So, I grew up. I heard my aunt talking about church. I was about seven or eight years old, probably eight, and and I told her I was like, hey, so like, what's this place? Church? I never, I never, I swear to you, I never heard the word before eight years old. And she was like, oh, it's a place where we, we come and, and we worship God. And I'm like, oh, I want to go. And she's like, okay, yeah, just, you know, come to my house on Sunday and I'll take you with me, my aunt and my uncle. And I, I would go home and I'd tell my mom and dad, like, hey, I want to go to church. Like, can you guys, um, can you guys wake me up? And, and I, I'm going to, you know, I want to be there. And my mom and dad would be like, no, if you want to go to church, you can get yourself up and you can get yourself to your aunt and uncle's house which sounds really bad, but they live right next door, so it wasn't a big deal, that part. But the waking up part sucked, okay? So every Sunday, I'd wake myself up, and I'd walk myself to my aunt's house, and I'd go to church with him. I gave my life to Christ when I was eight years old. And every Sunday, or every Saturday night, Sunday morning, I'd ask my parents, hey, you guys want to go with me? Or can you guys come to church with me? My dad was a boozer. Like, he was always drinking and great parents, phenomenal parents. They just love to party. And every Sunday, they'd be like, no, like, I don't want to go. And then finally, it got to a point where, like, 
I was just that annoying child. And they're like, look, my dad was like, look, I'm going to go. But it's just to shut you up. I said, okay, come. Like, cool. I won't say anything. Right? Three months goes by, my, my parents get saved. And now, like, I don't know how long they've been saved since then, since I was eight. I'm, I'm 27 now. All right, you guys got it out of me. But they've been saved, and now they're pastors because the, the power of God moved in that area. And I, and I grew up in that same church, Praise Chapel Huntington Park, but I migrated to Praise Chapel Cerritos, which is where you see right there. And that's because I wanted to put myself under Pastor Dave. So if you guys know Pastor Dave, you guys are lucky. If you don't know Pastor Dave, get to know him because he's phenomenal. And the people that do know him make the other people feel bad for not knowing him. So I know you guys' theme is Come to the River. I'm really excited about it. I think it's a great theme. And in this theme, I want to cover a few things. And it may seem like I'm bouncing around a lot, but I promise you I'm, I'm going to bring it all in. It's going to all make sense for you guys. I had the hardest time putting this thing together because, like I said, I sing and play guitar at my church. And again, it's just me. Oh, actually, no. I have a, I have a, a backup now, which is great. That's, it really takes a load off my shoulders. But... um. It's easy for me to sing someone else's songs. You know what I mean? I've been doing this since I was a kid. I mean, Mr. Francisco used to teach in third grade with music. And that's where I literally, I remember that's when I started singing. He used to have me do little solo parts. And then from there, it just spun up into just me doing worship, right? So it's always easy for me to sing someone else's song. I didn't write them. So if it sucks, it ain't my fault, right? So getting this together was hard for me because I'm like, man, I don't want this to be bad. I want you guys to be blessed. And it doesn't help that I'm convinced I have ADHD. So it was like sitting down and trying to get this done was my brain goes scattered. I mean, I never got evaluated, but I took a test online and it said it's moderate. (laughs) So before anything, let's just bow our heads. I want to pray. Father God, we come before you in this place. Lord, I pray, Lord God, for for this word, Lord. I believe it's it's a timely word, Lord God, something that you have for the people in this place, Father. And I pray, Lord God, that they take this word and they apply it to their lives, Lord God, and, and and they evaluate things, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, just for your power and your presence to move from here on out, constantly, through everything. And we all said? Okay. So, if there's one main thing I want you guys to leave here with, is more than just an experience. Because I believe that in church, there's a lot of things. There's, there's a, a word going around now, and it's called emotionalism. And it's a, it's, a, it's a thing where we come, we see, which I love this setup, by the way, and I love the worship team. It's great to be able to hear worship, since I'm always doing worship. But, like, it, it's easy to get caught up in this stuff. And it's easy to get distracted by this stuff. And it's easy to allow ourselves to feel like, oh, man, it was a good experience. And when we leave, we're still empty. So if there's something I want you guys to leave here with is more than just an experience. I want you to leave here feeling like you know a little bit more about God. You know what I mean? You guys following me? So I'm going to read this first scripture to you. I didn't give all the scriptures to Brandon. You don't have to worry about this one, Brandon. And um, I'm only going to read half of it because I promise you I'm going to circle it back around. And it's Psalms 1-3. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. We're going to stop there. That's the half. Okay? So, before I get into rivers, which is the theme, I want to talk about something a little bit smaller, and it's a stream. In Revelations 22, 1 and 2, if you guys, I think you have that. There we go. Then he showed me a river of the water of life. I'll read it from this one, so that way I don't know if it's the same version. Then... Then an angel showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystals, flowing from the throne of God and of Lamb. It flowed to the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Okay? Streams typically come after a winter season. Snow melts. I mean, 
Does it snow out here? You guys are like, dummy, it's a desert. <laughs> okay, so, you know, typically, you know, snow falls, it melts, it happens. Snow exists here. It happens. And um, snow, fall, snow falls, it melts, and it fills existing canals and corridors. That's when you get a stream, right? If you guys watch National Geographic as much as I do, then that's exactly what happens, and you guys know that what I'm saying is factual. So every year we go camping to this place called Kachuma Lake. It's in Santa Barbara. If, I don't know, has any of you guys been to California at all? Oh, okay, cool. All right, cool. There you go. And um, it's this place called Kachuma Lake. It's in Santa Barbara. If you haven't been there, don't worry about it. It ain't that great. But we always go camping there growing up, okay? And every time we would go camping there, we were never allowed to swim in the lake. We would always have to swim in the streams that lead to it, okay? And I, when I was a kid, I was, first I was always like, that sucks. Like, the lake's right here. Why do we got to go to a stream? You know what I mean? And then I came to find out that it's Santa Barbara's drinking water, which now I feel bad because I would be playing by the lake a lot, and sometimes I'd have to go to the restroom. <laughs> Take that, Santa Barbara. Some years were amazing. The water would be high. Certain rocks that we used to jump off of wouldn't be as high anymore because the flow of the stream was so great, right? And you would see fish. I mean, it would, some of the fish were huge. Like, it was where you'd jump off the rock and my toes would curl because I, I felt like I was going to lose one if, like, a fish got it. But they'd only used to let us swim in the streams that lead to the lake. So we'd drive along the highway away from the lake to get to a portion of the lake or of the stream where we can swim. Some years we would go, and like I said, it'd be full of life. Other years we would go, and there would literally be the same stream we swam in a year before. There would be signs that said, do not touch the water. Do not come in contact with it. It's, it's formed bacteria and it's stagnant. Okay? So when water becomes stagnant, I think you guys know what happens, right? It's dirty, right? It's dangerous. I mean, signs get posted that say, do not come in contact. Like, I felt like if I touched it, I was going to die. Like, Zephaniah 1.12, it says, it will come about that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps and I will punish men who are stagnant in spirit. So I have a few questions I want to ask you guys, and I want you guys to begin to evaluate yourself. And the first question is, what kind of stream do you want to be, right? I believe that as Christians, we need to perform a lot like streams in nature. Streams bring life to everything around it, something where people can come drink from and be filled with because of the freshness coming through it. John 4.14 says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, but the water that I give him will become a well of water springing up to eternal life. Streams in our lives need to perform the same exact way. They need to flow constantly, consistently with freshness, right? But what good is a fresh water flowing into a stream if the body housing it doesn't allow it to come out? Deuteronomy 8.7 says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills. But every year at the Chuma Lake, the inevitable would happen. There will be some years where water's flowing, things are happening, and we can enjoy the life that's being brought to that area. In other years, it was a cesspool. It was a place where things came and they died. Okay? Others, oh, I'm sorry, I lost my spot real quick. But all streams that flow, they, and the, the ones that are flowing, they reach a similar place. They all come together and create something big, and that's when you get a river. Lights flash, fireworks, ah, the theme. Rivers are a primary source for life. They're travel routes as well as power source for some civilizations. Matthew 18.20 says, I'm not sure what script, I don't know, I, gave, I didn't give you some scriptures, but it's okay. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. 
I believe we should treat the church as a river. It's a place where we all come and flow into and create something powerful. It's a place where, where, where we can come in one mind and one accord and worship Jesus because there's power in the multiple that will always outweigh the individual. You guys following along? Jesus wants to be where he's being praised because he deserves it. But how can we give him our full potential when we're harboring things in our lives? Some streams do have little output. There's some where you have a stream of fresh water and it just flows into a bacteria-filled cesspool, right? But then when you get enough flow, there's a little breakaway point where water starts to ripple out and it reaches the river. However, any bit of that water that hits that river, I mean, I'm sorry, any bit of that fresh stream water that hits that cesspool, anything that breaks out and reaches the river is no longer good. Any fresh water that comes in and hits that bacteria, it's done. There's no point in having it. It's unhealthy for you still because the output isn't strong enough to allow the full potential to flow. You guys following along with me? So like everywhere I'm saying stream or river, you need to like input Ricky like, or input your name, right? You, you get what I'm saying? So the bit of the stream that is flowing, that, that is hitting that river, it's not doing the collective any good. It's that part of the river that's, that's, that's really bad. It's that part of the river that leaves a bad taste in people's mouth, and it's not good to be around. Someone, uh, I give you guys permission to point this person out. No, I'm just kidding. Ecclesiastes 9.12. 9 through 12, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't even give you the chapter, huh? No, that's the wrong one. My fault. I don't have the chapter in here. That was my mistake. But I'll read it to you. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Although one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Every person in here, every single one of you guys, whether you want to believe it or not, is just as important as the next. You have to allow yourself to be a healthy flowing spirit and allow anointing to flow through you so people will see it and draw close to it. Because they'll see something and say, that's what I want to be a part of. That's where I want to plant myself. I want to be a part of that collective. Because you can't stop a river or anything flowing once it's flowing. There's a reason why, why they build bridges over rivers instead of through them. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's power in the numbers when you guys allow yourself to be a collective flowing. Okay? So, what's distracting you in your life? What's stopping you from releasing your full potential? Is it a girlfriend? Young ones? Is it a girlfriend? Boyfriend? No, you guys are good, right? I can tell. Maybe, it, maybe it's trouble in the home in general. Maybe it's your parents treat you bad. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's a leader in the church told you something that you needed to hear. You just didn't like the way it sounded. What is it? I need you guys to evaluate yourself. Seriously, I need you guys to think about yourself because, like I said in the beginning, I want to give you guys perspective. Because perspective changes everything, right? Perspective is when you allow yourself to see something and, and realize, oh, man, but if I had thought of it from that point of view, I would have did something different, All right? So begin to evaluate. What are, what are you guys allowing to pollute your soul? If you're out there and you're actually, you know, doing this, which I feel you should, it's a good practice, don't beat yourself up too much. I'm going to help you guys find that way to find breakthrough to allow that fresh living water to flow down into the, the river so you create a more powerful collective, some streams lead to a river, some lead to an ocean, some rivers merge with each other, 
most streams lead to, most rivers lead to a lake, which brings me to one of my favorite stories of all time in the Bible. And we're, we're coming to an end close, guys. I'm not going to take too long. That's probably the ADHD. I just, I don't have that in me. But 14, Matthew 14, 22 through, 30, through 33. 33, right? I gave you that? Okay, let's read it. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. What was that? Four. And the boat was already, cons- uh, and the boat was already, already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down off the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid in the beginning, in the beginning and, and I'm sorry, he, he was afraid, beginning to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Okay. Great story, right? I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard it. Maybe that's new to some of you. If it is, even better. But there's a, a lot of things that really stand out to me about this story. Past two dudes walking on water. Like, you guys, I know you guys are like, well, dude, two dudes walking on water, that should be the only thing that stands out. But no, I promise you, there's more, way deeper in this story than, than I ever realized. I had to read it 15,000 times to get it. So, I'm going to go over it. You, you can drop the scriptures for now. I'm just going to go over it again, but I want to break things down to you about this. Two men, the, the men, these men were on a boat, and the waves were pounding against the boat. The wind was raging. I mean, I've never been on a lake when it was that crazy, but I know, like, I'd be scared, I'm not going to lie. Especially, imagine the boats back in Bible times. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so they're, they're in the boat. Waves are crashing around them. The wind's blowing, and they see something in the distance, and they get scared, right? Rightfully so. They get scared, and they're, and they're fearing for their lives in that moment, but then they realize that it's Jesus coming. How many of us in this place are, are in a windy situation in our lives, there's waves crashing around us, and we see something, and we think it's coming to tear us down, but in reality, it's Jesus coming to build us up. You guys following with me, okay? So once Peter, rec- once they recognize as God, what happens? The cur- courage takes over their fear. Like, think about how amazing that is. Fear was completely gripping them. What the heck is walking on that water over there? And they're like, it's coming to get us. And Jesus says, take courage and what happens immediately courage takes over because they were given that opportunity to be courageous right and as soon as peter allows courage to take over fear what does he say jesus call me and i'll come to you <laughs> like imagine the other disciples that are just like like he's on the water <laughs> like what do you mean come to you so so jesus simple come but here's an amazing part about that section. Is that Peter didn't take, Peter had the faith. But he didn't take a step until Jesus called him. You understand? 
See, Peter was a man of faith, but he was also a man of obedience because he understood the power in being called by Jesus, right? How many of you guys are doing something and you're not successful in it? It's probably because Jesus didn't call you in that way. Now, again, I want you guys to just evaluate yourselves. Look at yourself from another perspective. Think about where God wants you. Where is he calling you to be right now? Peter understood the importance of taking steps in the name of Jesus. I'm, and I'll drink to that. I'm not going to lie. When I got up here, if I would have drank water, the, the bottle wouldn't be like this. When you wait for Jesus to call you by name, then and only then will your steps be blessed because at that point, you're in God's will. You guys understand what I'm saying? So Peter's walking on water. He's doing the impossible. I picture like the disciples, you know, like when you've got like a crowd that's all hyped up like for their buddy and they're like holding people back. I feel like they're all in the boat doing that. Oh, my God. So after he's walking on water, he starts to pay attention to what's going on around him. And like, like picture this. We got a man in a windy lake where there's huge wakes slapping against the boat. That's what it's saying. The boat's getting slapped with water. And he's looking down. He's like, oh, my God, I am walking on water right now. And he starts to realize what's going on around him, and he starts to sink. You, like, to break it down a little bit further, he starts to sink because he recognized the chaos surrounding his life instead of the calling in front of him. You, the, Jesus called him. That's important to understand. He called him, and he allowed the chaos surrounding him to overtake the courage that he just had in the boat. Because it's easy to be courageous when you're in a safe zone, right? It's, it's easy, like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll walk on water. Why not? But then when you're in it, it's like, oh, like, the, there was no change in the weather. The weather was what it was the whole entire time. But when you're in the chaos, you start to say, pay more attention to that than you do to the calling in front of you. So when, he's, when he starts to realize what's happening around him, he sinks, he just sinks. And then he does what, honestly, any right, like, sane person would do. I would call out for the dude that's standing on water to come get me. Like, like, you're still up there. Like, help me. So he called out for Jesus in the midst of his failure, and Jesus was there. Jesus picks him up out of the water, and he said, this is my translation because I'm a hard-headed dude. Like, I grew up in church, but oh, my goodness, I was a knucklehead. You have no idea. I was always in trouble. I be, who told me that? You told me that Des, because I, I remember seeing her at youth retreat. We used to go to youth retreat together. And she said that she always saw me and Timmy getting in trouble, me and my best friend. I'm like, dang, that's, that's the reputation I got. So in the midst of his failure, Jesus picks him up. And this is my version because this is the way I read things. Like, like, you dummy. Like, Jesus, like, you dummy. Like, why did you take your eyes off me? Why did you stop looking at me? Why did you lose focus off me and pay attention to what's happening around you? You were doing the impossible. You were walking on water and you decided to just allow the things of the world to take over. Forgetting how powerful I am. So, so Jesus picks him up, walks him back to the boat, right? And everyone in the boat worships him. That was the last scripture, and, and I'm going to be coming to a close. So 
don't know if the worst thing want to get up here or someone that's playing guitar, just a guitar maybe. So 